<laughs> what the fuck? Joe's <laughs> um, that laugh too. For the for 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 the audio listeners, Ryan, when we came back from the intro, Ryan had a skull just waving in the screen. <laughs> it's the scream skull. Um, uh, you know, there's one thing you guys forgot. Uh, to get rid of my car or whatever the hell it is. Let's talk about Scream. I've decided to give up on the bit halfway through that. Uh, let's talk about Scream 3 and Scriforum, otherwise known as Scream 4, otherwise wrongly known as Scream 4. That's true. Um, let's let's get into it with Scream 3, uh, Sparks, because these are your favorites. Uh, not these are your favorites, but this is your favorite franchise, one of them at least. Uh, let's talk. Why don't, why don't you get us started? Sure, I love the Scream franchise. Love, love, love it. I I wish we could have talked about Scream One and Two for forever because there's so many things you can dig into that we we just didn't have time to. Um, but we're here. We're gonna do Scream Three, Scream Four. We're gonna start with Scream Thor- Three, and we're just gonna stick to that. Um, and I think this is the bottom of all five that have come out, but I still think it's actually good. Yes, and uh, and for that, it's like you know that doesn't usually happen in horror franchises. So that's pretty nice. Like, I'm like, this is the worst for sure, but I still think it's enjoyable and watchable and there's things I like about it. Yeah. So um, I will, I, I, let's add some context real quick up front. Um, Kevin Williamson <clears throat> is the writer for Scream and Scream 2. In many ways, Scream is not what it is without Kevin Williamson. Like Wes Craven is the is you know a director, and and he gets he gets what matters about the performances out of the actors, and allows the actors the freedom to kind of make the characters who they are. That is part of what makes it iconic. But the script comes from Williamson, and Williamson did one and two, uh, really amazing scripts. But when it came to three, Williamson was too busy and dedicated to other projects, including Dawson's Creek. Uh, which he was one of the creators for. And so that left him off the table for doing this. And so a man named Aaron Kruger came in and... Excuse go, me? Brother yeah. brother of Freddy Kruger. So uh, mm-hmm. it's spelled differently. But um, so Aaron Kruger... Fun fact, I forgot to mention last week, and I totally like was mad at myself for not mentioning it, but Ben pointed out that there's the Fred Kruger cameo in the first Scream. Do you know who that is? No. That's Wes. Oh, oh, yeah. Good makeup. Um, Good anyway, uh, so Aaron Kruger comes in and writes the script for Scream 3. Um, and it's not based off what Williams treatment, Williamson's treatment was going to be for Scream 3. Uh, he kind of takes it in his own direction and brings all these new ideas. And um, I'm not saying that that's bad. There were a lot of good ideas here. In fact, there are some ideas in Williamson's original third film that I didn't think would work. Um Another important part of context for Scream 3 is that I think that one of the reasons this is a weak watch is that it has the least inventive deaths. And part of that is that you just most of the time don't see them. Um, Like the violence happens off screen. There's actually a reason for that. This came out in 2000 and the year before and while they were making it was Columbine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of discussion around like media and media effect on violence. And since that was something Scream was actively commenting on the studio wanted them to pull back on the violence that was shown on screen. Um, so that's one of the reasons why long-term the deaths, I think are just kind of all yeah. uh, in this film. Um, that's part of it. That's, that's kind of centering the conversation around that context. Uh, we'll bring up Aaron Kruger again for script form because Williamson wrote the whole script for, for script form, but had to leave 
partway through the production due to uh, working on the Vampire Diaries, which is another show that he created. And he'd already promised to work on that. So he was actually like double dealing and splitting away from Vampire Diaries just to try and do script form. He didn't end up getting to get everything for the script out. So the ending and a couple of other beats of script form, they actually also come from Kruger. Uh, so we'll get into that a little later as well. Um, but that's important to know about like, why does this movie feel so weird in comparison mm. to the other two? It's both the factors of the time, like the Columbine thing, and it's um, it's the change in writer, which changes the voices of not not as much the characters as much as I feel like the show. It's the the movie itself. It has a different feel. Its pop culture references are not as smooth or wry or witty as mm. the first two films. Yeah, um, and we'll kind of get into that. But like, I've, I've given enough setup. I think uh, I I'm fairly positive on this film while acknowledging there's a lot of problems. There's a lot of problems with it. Um, I want to hear Ben first, I think. Uh, ben, you, you first explained to it. What, what was your impression? Yeah, I enjoyed it. I could I could see, after watching Scream 4, I could definitely see why people would say Scream 3 is a low point. Um, we'll get into it, but I love Scream 4. I absolutely loved that movie. Stoked, stoked um, to get to that one, for sure. Yeah, that one. Uh, where Scream 3... I still liked it was I there's still a bunch of parts uh, a bunch of things from like the, the previous movies that obviously make it into this one's like it's not a screen film without uh, without the killer coming back to life at the last seconds only to get shot or killed in for reals um but I mean I could see why I was actually more surprised about all the celebrity came it was like Jane Silent Bob were in this one I did not know Patrick Warburton was in the in this one threw like, me a little bit the Jane Silent oh, Bob one yeah <laughs> it always um, does yeah, I mean, I do can see why because you're right. It's a lot so of the action, uh, yeah, because you I come for the screen movies. Well, now I'm coming not just because I'm watching because it's like it's homework for me for the show, but now one thing I do enjoy about the screen movies is how you know the killer kills people. Like in the first movie when he crushes um, the best friend in the um, in the garage door, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um, I, I guess and and also just like the on and off again romance between Dewey and um, Gale. <laughs> that was I, I i started this movie and i was like wait they don't they don't get they're not together yet yeah they still broke up between the two movies because yeah. i forgot I, I forgot a lot about this movie yeah and all in all yeah i could see why this is on low but still it's it's a it's a fun trilogy it's still something that puts a honestly i what i like about this movie the most is how they really take the movie angle and run with it Sure. As it is, it's kind of like a horror movie within a horror movie sort of story. Yeah, yeah, so. absolutely. I, while watching this movie, this has a reputation of being the worst screen movie, and I haven't seen it in a while. I kept waiting for it to get bad, and it just never got bad. It never hit the highs of Scream One and Two, but it is a perfectly serviceable screen, uh, perfect serviceable horror movie in terms of Scream. It's the weakest Scream movie, but like. This is a better horror movie than a lot of other horror movie sequels are. If this is the, this this movie is better than a lot of other like horror franchises in total. Like this is this is a good horror movie that has all the styles stripped of it. I still think it's a good horror movie. It just doesn't have any of the things that make it to, like makes it super uh, impressive like the first two movies have. Uh, uh, but that's also not true because I still think some of it is really fun. Like I like it still has like uh, the movie the movie stuff I really do enjoy. The only the thing that I that I like least about it is I just think the killer is incredibly weak. Uh, and if for it being yeah. a meander, it, 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 
it just doesn't really work for me. I just think the character who, who they choose, it's like I like the idea. I think the execution is just like, but I, because I was, I thought I knew who the killer was right off the bat in like the first maybe twenty or twenty or first half hour of the movie, and then when the killer is revealed, I'm like, I'm not hundred percent sure who, about that. Who did you I don't think know it how was? I feel? I th- I thought it was the actress playing Sydney. Yeah. I, I for for a bit I did. So think. so initially when Kruger came on um and took over and Williamson wasn't gonna be part of it, uh there it was gonna be two killers and one of them was gonna be Emily Mortimer's uh actress Sydney. playing Sydney. I think that would have been fun. Um but they they ultimately didn't want to go with a two killer thing that's that's one of the reasons for a big change is they, they they want this one to not be two killers and uh it is a shift like of the four films we've discussed it's 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 only a single killer which mm. the first scream that was a wild wild unseen twist that there would be two killers so like they were going back to like you kind of get into the lull at the third one where you're gonna think there's two killers now the twist is one killer yeah and it was, to its credit, like it was a kind of twist and surprise in its own right, like being meta, knowing that you would anticipate two killers and only giving you one. It does, it, in that sense, that part works. Uh, Brandon, your thoughts, though? Hmm. I know you're Yeah, he doesn't one. like it. Uh, no, it's not necessarily that I don't like it. I guess it's just more to say that I just don't like it. Um, th- there's some... There's one good kill, and there's some interesting comedy bits that I, that I found funny, especially with... Um, Parker Posey, um, her character yeah. is is pretty funny, um, but uh, yeah, it's really not. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm really indifferent on it. Uh, honestly, I can't remember a lot of it uh, even now. Like I watched it this week, and I it took me all week to remember who the first kill was, and then until I remember, I was like, right, it was Leah Schreiber. Um, uh, Technically, it's Christine, then Leah Schreiber. Right, you're right. Um, uh, but the um, yeah, those are my initial thoughts. Yeah, we'll we'll get it. We'll get into it more. There are things I like, but ultimately I'm pretty pretty south on it. You bring up a great point. Like I think without Parker Posey, I like this movie a lot less. 100%. Um, I adore Parker Posey. Parker Posey as the the actress playing Gail, uh Julie Julia sorry, Jennifer Jolie, uh which is a play on Jennifer Aniston and Angelina Jolie. Um <laughs> is the name of her character. Jennifer Jolie, Parker Posey, uh she elevates the comedy of this movie um and this was also again like there was a this movie does i think not that it always lands but it does go for comedy more than i think most of the others do yeah and that again is also a reaction to the columbine thing um Mm -hmm. which is totally understandable i i get i get how they felt in this spot um but I, I think that she brings so much to the table and it's so enjoyable to watch her bounce off both Cox and Ar- Arquette, uh, but specifically with Courtney Cox's Gale. Uh, that makes the first half of the film more enjoyable when you're kind of waiting for Sydney to show up uh, and to, and take part in the plot because it takes a while to get to her. That also is because Sydney was only able to shoot for three weeks of the production schedule. Mm. A lot of... Issues. But I think it honestly made a better movie. I think it's better tr- the gang trying to keep Sydney away from from this yeah. um, and trying to keep her like it makes sense after the first two films to have Sydney kind of be somewhere else. She's doing the, the phone stuff in this one. <clears throat> yeah, 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 and yeah. get her and get her pulled into the plot near the end. Um, I think it works for Sydney's arc. Yeah. 
that they're they're being protective and ultimately Sid decides like you know looking at all three films like this is Sydney being like I can't hide anymore like the last movie was I'm not going to run anymore the third movie is I'm not going to hide either um sheriff Dewey yeah I uh let's let's jump to I think um Cotton is our celebrity death which is also an interesting one that we we don't get uh uh a new unexpected celebrity cameo you know cotton shows up at the beginning and you kind of go this is a screen movie cotton's dead yeah um, but i think it's, but i think it's really enjoyable they do introduce the mechanic that also is like for me personally it's a hang-up i've never been able to let go of um it's the achilles heel of the film which is the i can be anybody's voice yeah voice box. get it out of that. uh I don't care for it. I think it's a bad device, yeah. especially because later screen films have to pretend that it just didn't exist because it would ruin the future of the screen franchise. Um, I get the idea for where it came from. And honestly, Ryan and I talked about this. I was like, if it only ever replicated Cotton and Gale's voice, I could buy it because you could say like they use so much capturing of their voices from television and things like that. But the fact that it can replicate Sydney's, I'm like, get out of here. What are you doing? Come on. Bullshit. We can't even like make Mark Hamill sound normal on The Mandalorian. <laughs> like, there's no way. Um, yeah, this was in like what, 2000 or whatever? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's just, it's just a, a, it takes me out of the movie a little bit. Now, what I will say is that once you've gotten to the end of the movie, in hindsight, I do think it makes the scene where he kills uh, Jenny McCarthy's character better because you know, that's not a voice changer. Yeah. You know, that's just Roman. Yeah. And I thought that was actually better for it. So I wish that that those were kind of the only three scenes where you thought a voice changer was being used was like mm -hmm. when it's cotton, when it's Gale, when it's uh, actually, I don't think he ever uses Gale's voice, but she should have Gale's. No. Uh, uses Dewey's uses Sydney's steal, steal the detective's phone. Or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Detective, um, Detective McDreamy. For me, that that introduction of that voice box thing is a real problem. Yeah, and, again, and why take work away from Roger L. Jackson, who's so good? Exactly. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I don't think the villain is very good. No. Um, I like, I like it in concept, but, and this is because Sydney uh, Nev Campbell doesn't doesn't have a lot of doesn't get a lot of screen time because of what you said, Sparks. But like they should have had a scene together beforehand because the whole reveal of like, Oh, I'm the director of stab three and I'm your brother. That's why I'm doing this. It was, it's a lot to do in that reveal moment. And if they had like a scene between the two of them prior, it would have done a lot of, a lot of that heavy lifting. And I think would have been ultimately better. The only thing I do kind of like about it that I think is smart and kind of funny is given the script a little bit too much credit but it's true um roman doesn't know sydney actually came out of hiding he thinks that he's just kind of failed to get her until uh parker posey's character lets it slip at the party when mm -hmm. they get there they say oh is we got a call from sydney is she here and roman thinks they're just talking about the actress playing sydney mm. he doesn't know that sydney came out of hiding yet because he wasn't around when the detectives brought her on set uh yeah. and i think that that's rather clever because that's when he initiates the plan like i'm going to capture dewey and and he starts everything that night at the party uh capturing his dewey, birthday capturing party um and he knows that sid's there mm -hmm. um that's that's the only part of that that kind of works for me in the sense of like that they hadn't seen each other before but i agree like the the, the execution of the very good idea i think yeah 
of the half brother thing and like taking it back when you are doing like that trilogy idea of what Randy's rules say and everything going back and uncovering like this backstory that didn't you didn't know was there I think all that is pretty good yeah the execution is sloppy yeah and And like well, I, was gonna, I want to talk about Randy's sister also, which is, I also think is, an, is a sloppy uh, exposition machine. Uh, but I'm actually retroactively really happy about that because it gives us pretty pretty cool characters in five. Sure, yeah. And we'll we'll touch on that later when we get to the fifth one. But yeah, I agree with you. It's like we could have just had Dewey say that he'd been holding on to this tape and he's like, you know, it's the craziest thing. But Randy said if this was ever happening again, we should watch this tape. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would have been enough. Her introduction does feel like weird. And not only that, like it's one of the worst line deliveries in the franchise where like they say like uh, Randy had a sister and then it cuts over to her and she's like, we miss you in Woodsboro guys. And I'm <laughs> yeah. like, that's awful. Just yeah. true. <laughs> terrible. One of yeah. the worst line readings I've ever seen. And like they, they, they weren't making these movies back to back. So there's no way they could have done it. But again, like if you wanted Roman to be like this, like overall threat of like the whole franchise, like if he's the director of the original Stab movies and they're on three, then put him in. Then put him in. Screen he's not two. the director of the original Stab. Oh, Robert Rodriguez is. Oh, that's true. That's right. That's true. Okay, he's then. directing this one. Oh, okay, yeah. Then there's nothing they could have done to make him better. They just have to put him in the movie more, and I don't. Yeah. Never mind. Um. Yeah. I. Uh. Like we're we're jumping all the way to the end and talking about this, but I I do think it's you know let's do it here. Um. What I think is really good about scream three what i think is rather impressive and holds up and it's one of those things where we talked about like scream one and two are timeless because they're well made but they are of their time Mm -hmm. scream three and four and we'll get into four's reasons in a bit are able to be predictive of where the culture was headed in a way that honestly impresses me yeah because in this one this is a movie made at the weinstein company there are no two buts about it that john milton is somewhat of an inside knowledge on who Harvey Weinstein is. Yeah. Um, And they're telling a story that flat out says Maureen was raped at these Hollywood parties and gave up that kid. And knocking at that door in the year 2000 is incredibly ballsy. Uh, This like Wes has no love for Harvey. His, the only Weinstein he was ever close to was Bob, who was the main producer for the Scream films. He's the one who got those off the ground. So not Harvey Weinstein. But that doesn't change the fact that Wes, I'm sure, heard stuff. Yeah. And so incorporating that, just all of them being able to, being willing and able, and also it really shows something about the Weinsteins thinking they're untouchable that they let this get made. But uh, taking them to task in a way, taking Hollywood to task in this specific manner of saying how they use and abuse women in the industry, which is one of the reasons why Wes was even so happy to, to come back and do Scream, because... Wes didn't even want to direct the original. He was so nervous about being pigeonholed into this person who exploits women for horror's sake. Because, mm. But one of the reasons he came around was Williamson's script made Sydney a a fighter, like more than a final girl, something, something more. And that's more of what the franchise continued to give to her. Um, so bringing in this commentary on the Hollywood stuff really feels like it hits on a level that it it's impressive they could have known they were playing to in the year 2000. Yeah. Like 23 years later and what's happened with Harvey Weinstein and everything. I'm, I'm stunned and pleased that at the time they were able to get this story out. Um, even kind of, and like, it doesn't go that far in depth. They, it could have done more, but even kind of broaching at the idea of Maureen being someone who was affected. And I'll, I'll say like, 
I'm not going to say it's perfect in how it represents that, this idea that, like, once she was there, she was ruined as a woman forever, and that made her into, like, an immoral slut for the rest of her life. That part, that aspect of it is not so good, that implication. Yeah. But, but the idea that, like, it does do psychological damage, and it's something she had to, like, overcome. And uh, I think that that's valuable, having that there. And again, doing it at the company where this is happening at right. is, is super, super ballsy. And again, like, not having Kevin Williamson write it, having like a guy come on and having him do that, like they could have just got anyone and like just do a generic script. Like this was allowed and everything. It's just like it is. It is miraculous that it exists like this. Um. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't there an implication that the the that Roman um told Stu and Billy to kill Marine? It's more than an implication. He went and showed Billy. He didn't. He never interacted with Stu. Yeah. He went and showed Billy a tape of uh, his dad uh, walking out of a ho- walking in and out of a hotel room with Maureen. He civil war him, and he told him, "You know what you want to do? You want to get revenge, uh, kind of thing." And sets him up for the murder of Maureen. He says, "Have someone you can blame it on, which is Stu. Have the fall guy and everything." And Roman's whole thing is that he set them up to do that. He did not know that a year later they were going to do the events of Scream that they were going to make their own movie. And that's what he says. Like, I had no idea they were going to go off and do their own thing. I thought it was just going to be this one and done. Um, yeah. I'm not sure I care for that, for that plot twist for the reveal that he's behind Billy and Billy. Yeah. I sure. It doesn't bother me. Um, I, I, I get why again, like we go back to Randy's trilogy rules. Like they're trying to do something that feels like it full circles the story. Uh, and I think that there's worse ideas I've heard of to try and do something like that. Like, sure. But let it, me clarify, let me clarify sure. because like, it's a, it's, it's not necessarily a, this movie problem. It's an all movie problem. When they all try to do something like that, I'm really, it's really uh touch and go for me if I'm going to enjoy it or not. So like it, and this, and so in this movie, it's kind of a, it's kind of leaning into that where I'm like, this is a trope. I'm not, I don't care for that. I'm right. seeing in the uh, movie. It, it's not what you think kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I, I get it. Uh, I it also rubs into that way where I'm like, oh, here's this like super lame villain taking credit for the creation of like who I know was really great in the original. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I in a again in a story sense on paper, this half brother who was uh, abandoned, who was created out of rape and abandoned and finds out and tracks her down and then encourages the original killers to do the thing they did one year before the events of scream that lead to the events of scream. I think that's also part of it is the fact that we never see Maureen's murder uh, in the, in the earlier films, we've never seen it. Yeah. And I think that lets me feel like that's still kind of fair game. It's still off the table in a sense of like, we're aware of the events, but we've never seen them. Um, And that leaves the door open where on paper, I think that's a really good idea. Again, I also agree with you guys. I think the execution is rather sloppy. Yeah. I do think that it sets up for a really, just this movie within a movie, this isn't necessarily tied to who Roman is making it so important, but when Sid is going through the fake house, her, her house, and they have Maureen's room set up for her murder. Yeah. Uh, which it like, we've never seen that before, but we're seeing Sydney, relive it for the first time since then yeah i thought that was really effective like i really love nev campbell in that moment Mm -hmm. um uh just being hit with it 
all over again. The trauma. Of I it. I also again like execution is the problem of this movie, but like the idea of we're in the third scream movie while they're making stab three. So like the things are happening concurrently, but characters are dying in the movie as opposed to the the, the movie that we're watching, right? Like Gail's supposed to die in, in the fake movie. Uh, and like all that stuff is so fun. I love being meta. Like all that stuff is great. Um, I, I, uh, it's what's so great about this franchise. And it is, it is, I, I just love movies about movies. So like, you know, oh, this is the house that I grew up in. And there's like, like revisiting all that stuff is great. I love it. Dewey's great. I, I love Parker Posey. I will, I will say that in terms of like the set and stuff, I feel like it's at the wrong point of the movie. It feels like that's where the fi final act should have taken place. Yes. Like, we shouldn't have gotten Sydney to the set that early. Uh, and oh, her last like moment first, should be yeah. like her being back on the, like all of that is where the final confrontation stuff should have happened is on the set yeah, not of Roman's the old houses party. rather than uh, John Milton's basement. Yes. Um, and that I feel like would have had a lot more emotional impact, but they, they put it, they put like Sydney encountering those spaces earlier than I thought they oh, would have. Um, something they introduced in this movie. I think it's this movie. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, Sydney starts hallucinating seeing her dead mom. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And no, no spoilers, but that's something that's a concurrent thing that happens in this in the later in the, in the franchise. And I'm like, oh, like, because I forgot that was a thing that happened. So I'm like, oh, this makes sense why this is happening again in a different movie. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's spooky. Spooky. It is spooky. Um, she has a dream sequence, which I'll be honest, I don't care for whatsoever. Uh, mostly because I'm like, you're Wes Craven. You did Nightmare on Elm You did this. How does this dream sequence look so bad? Uh, that it's just like fog and then a window I can't tell is there. <laughs> because it's too goddamn clean. His budget got cut that day. Uh, it, it's just not, it's not a very good dream sequence in my opinion. Yeah. I like her being traumatized by the memory of her mom, but like it feels, it also feels convenient to set up like the Roman stuff bothering her that she's dreaming about her mom right that now. That is, it is coincidental. Uh, uh, yeah. And and that that all that whole section, I'm like, I I like getting weird and everything, but yeah. this is just not working for me. Sure, like my one of my favorite kills, well, my favorite kill in this movie might be actually one of my favorite kills in the franchise is in this movie. Honestly, it's the gas explosion when the when the um uh, the fax machine is faxing through the script pages. And they're like, and it's like, well, the first the first person to die will be the one who smells who smells. The gas. <laughs> Man, so good. If only he had brought a flashlight back in with him, then nothing would have happened. <laughs> yeah, he takes out his he takes out his match. He takes out his like lighter. Uh yeah, I actually really I like that kill a lot. It's it's definitely the most to me, it's very of its time. It's fitting in with a lot of the horror movies that were coming out around here. This is it's very hollow man to me with the way it's executed. Um it, it it's very I'm not trying to detract from it. I think like the idea of it is good. It's very bombastic in a way that I don't feel is is necessary. Um, like they blow up a whole house, and like screen movies don't usually blow up a whole house. That's it's a very 2000s reaction in horror to like go that that kind of level. Like we have money, boom, <laughs> and it's like it's truly the most expensive kill in the entire franchise. Mm -hmm. uh, is this one? Um, I, I don't dislike it or anything. I just, uh, I also feel like it's, it, my only point being like, it's very flavor of the moment uh, to do it. This is incredible. Parker Posey was nominated in 2000 for an MTV Movie Award for Best Comedic Performance for his role, for her role as Jennifer Jolie, 
She lost to Adam Sandler and Big Daddy. Ugh. Damn it, Adam Sandler. <clears throat> For real, I definitely don't think I would like this movie if Parker Posey weren't in it. She, I am just a Parker Posey fan. She is one of those women in Hollywood who, who Hollywood uh, did her dirty. She deserved to be a huge megastar. In the 2000s, she was getting there. And then this, they, they dropped her. Uh, she has so much charisma in this movie. Like, what if Gail were worse? How could that be possible? I love I it. Mean, I mean this 100% sincerely. She's great in Superman Returns. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She's the best part of Blade Trinity because she's the only person who knows what movie she's in. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's great. She's. Um, but her kill is really her when she dies because she's like she's like 100 percent worse than Gale until she's terrified. And now she's just like, I'm, I'm sticking with you guys forever because you guys live. You guys live. Does. And and uh, and so her her death is uh, really cool because of like, she, you know, she's banging on the one way mirror um and dewey shooting trying you know shooting them one by one and then she gets killed in the last one uh i think that's that's a that's a good moment yeah yeah that that is a better kill and then doesn't the jen mccarthy doesn't she just like get stabbed in the back once and that's it she gets she gets like shoved into a broken glass door on the door and stabbed in the back yeah Yeah, that was fine um Jenny McCarthy getting murdered. Oh, no, absolutely. (laughs) For who she is. Yeah, I'm not mad about it. It's Uh, like not that creative. Yeah, uh, there's there's also something in that, like like I said earlier, I really like the Roman, uh, in hindsight, being on the phone with her moment, but he changes... The, the script name to Sarah, which is her name. Yes. And she doesn't even react to that. She just says, that's not the name of my script. And I'm like, no, it's your name, you stupid. Why wouldn't <laughs> you just be like, why'd you just say my name? <laughs> like, what are you doing? I don't even remember your name, so I get confused. <laughs> like, it's dumb. Well. I don't, uh, I don't think this movie also, I don't think this movie does as well the, uh, like, characters seem suspicious and they leave at inappropriate times and come back at inappropriate times. I don't think it does that as well as the other movies either. No, uh, it does it, but not to the same extent. We're like, Oh, like you're, you're suspicious on purpose. I'm like, I don't think you're the killer. You, you just went away. Cause you have to go away. Like, I think it's a much more apparent and like, not as like, uh, uh, Dempsey uh, it's with Dempsey when they're like, when they, when the movie really wants you to think that Dempsey is the killer. I was like, yeah, they really want you to think that Yeah, he's not, he's yeah. not the killer. The problem is the problem is that, that was working for me. It works for me fine until he and Sydney have the bonding scene in the office. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this guy's not the killer. Like, there's no way. There's something between oh. them that is very clearly like he's not the killer. And then he's about to walk out of the room. And she's like, what is your favorite scary movie? And he leans in and says, my life. My life. In the creepiest <laughs> way. Because it's like, no, no, no. We still need you to think he's the killer, regardless of how much that yeah. last scene convinced you completely he could not be once he said um, my life i'm like no nah, guys do good <laughs> no way uh ben who did you think dempsey was the killer uh not really i had my suspicions especially when he goes to milton's house with a gun and then he he gets the one of the things i do love about this movie is, is that it definitely pulls you away, or it makes you think one way and then it's, it pulls the rug out of you going psych no it's not uh, but the scene in the mansion where he has the gun out and then he just has this evil looking smile and put and like puts his hands up and then Ghostface just pops out and just starts stabbing away. And I'm like, oh, by the way, guess he's not quickly, the killer. Real quickly, Dempsey, underrated bad guy. Like quite like quite honestly, Transformers Dark of the Moon, he's really fun. He should be a bad oh, sure. guy more. He, he yeah, is. he can he can play <clears throat> like 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 I'm a gross man, like better than like a handsome man like him should. Like he he definitely it is almost, that's why I knew he wasn't the killer. Also, because I realized I forgot something about another movie <laughs> that happens later on. But um, uh, 
once he was like, my life. I'm like, there's no way this guy is the killer now. He is he is such a sweetheart who's putting on this thing because the writers told him to put on this this evil monster. I'm like, nah, you're not. Um, I don't really remember who I thought the killer was when I first watched it, Killers. But I think I thought it was Emily Mortimer's character, mm-hmm. um, the actress who was going to play Sydney. And... Not Dempsey, but his other detective buddy. Oh, like the jerk, the jerky uh. one. Who I don't think should be in the movie at all at this point in my life. Um, because I think he serves no purpose except to be there and deliver trashy one-liners that don't that don't work. He has one line that I'm that I think is funny, and I'm like, Dempsey would have delivered it better, which is the uh, you know, was his death related to the film? Is like the film's called Stab. He was stabbed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um that's a good line. I think Dempsey would have delivered it better. And the rest of his shit is just him being like cynical about everything, yeah. literally everything. And I'm like, you serve no purpose. Get out of this movie. Good Lord. Um, yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, that also like speaks to a, a larger problem, which is like no knock on the actors and like Parker Posey removed from the rest. But like you got Emily Mortimer in here. You got um, uh, the guy playing Tyson. Um, uh I forget his name right now. Um, but you got this cast that like, they seem competent and good, but uh, unlike the previous screen movies, there's just no reason for me to care about them. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not fleshed out enough for me to give a shit when they get killed or if they will get killed. Uh, and that's one of the bigger hangups with Scream 3 for me also is just, I don't really care about these new characters. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it just becomes a comedic, lore story where i'm waiting for sydney to show up for the scary drama part yeah mm-hmm. yeah uh, uh mag has a question do i like the solo villain or duo killers in this franchise after watching three i mean this is the only one with solo and i think it's the weakest so i guess i have to say duo killers i don't think having a single killer in in scream amongst these four films uh it would be a problem necessarily but um, the duo killer films tend to be better, and and I think it is it is more fun because like you like when you're watching movies like this, like oh I think mm. I know who the killer is. But when there's two killers, like there's always one you're like oh I had no idea. Like there's always one that's like oh they got me on that one, and which is really fun because like you're looking you're looking over here when really you should be looking over here, which is which is fun. I think it was a good idea to try to do the one killer thing because we talked about this last week. What things that works for Scream is the kind of predictable predictable unpredictable predictable where where they'll they'll do the predictable thing but also have the unpredictable thing the two killers in the first film you can predict one of them but you'll never get the second one because you're not looking for the second one um in this film i think flipping it on its head was a smart idea to be like you know we're looking for two killers we're not looking for the one killer um well you know the the twist is that there's one killer i think that's a i think that's a good idea on paper i just don't think the execution as well is there 100 percent I, and, honestly, and, go ahead, man. honestly when we only it was only revealed that there was one killer in scream 3 i was kind of disappointed yeah there's a part of me also that was like well where's the other one like up until like very late in the movie i'm like well where's the other one and the, and the thing is again roman sucks so much you're kind of hoping there's another one to make up for it. and it's like <laughs> yeah. oh no that's just who we got and and like again there's no way to retroactively make roman part of the other movies but like if you wanted to have like this overall trilogy you know he's the director and like you needed to set him up a little bit more, I think. Like, you know what I they should have done? Like he's not set up, like, enough for me to care like that. Ryan, you're absolutely right. What they should have done, Robert Rodriguez is the killer. Dude, this movie would be a 10 out of 10. Are you kidding me? <laughs> if Robert Rodriguez played himself, 
and he was a killer in a Scream movie, that would be the greatest thing ever made. Even if this is the worst Scream movie and that's the finale, <laughs> 10 out of 10. Oh, God, that'd be pretty funny. That'd be so good. Yeah. Um, let's right. see. Uh, I I do like uh, the taking out of cotton at the beginning. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a solid uh, bit. Um, I love his 100% cotton. Just a fantastic <laughs> title for a talk show. Uh, when your name is Cotton Weary. Yeah. Um, I I really do like that. I think Dewey gets the short end of the stick in this one. Uh, I don't. I think. Gail benefits from the dynamic of their relationship in this one. It gives her a lot to chew on as a character, mm -hmm. but Dewey is the one who I feel like more or less regresses. Um, I don't think that's a hundred percent what it is. I just think he gets a lot less development because of the change in their relationship. Whereas like Gail, I feel like this is the one where it feels in many ways, like this is the one where Gail's kind of wishing that Dewey and her were back together and had worked out, even mm -hmm. though she's the one that left. Mm -hmm. Uh, and this this is the screen film where that feels really strong that that's what's going on, yeah. and I kind of like that aspect. Yeah, I I do like that Gail because it is true. Like she did help solve these other murders, so like she, it's not like she can become like a like a privatized deputy like Elvis or anything, but like she should be able to in this movie like help her help her her not husband solve a case that she she wrote a book on. And like you know, for a movie like that makes sense, you know. Well, that's why that's why Dempsey's character brings her in. Like she is yes. working with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, true. You're right. But Dewey, but Dewey's giving her crap left and right. Yeah, so. he should give her a little respect. Yeah. Yeah, I think the the the, the that that's that's pretty good, and I think you're absolutely right about about Dewey. There's some good stuff with like Patrick Warburton. I think he's very funny. Um, uh, that that that's really good. But like other than that, Dewey doesn't really get a lot to do, other than mm. just kind of make put gail down for leaving him yeah he's yeah. just he's just kind of like defender of sydney and uh he's he i i like what david arquette's trying to do with the script i think which is like make a dewey who's trying to act tough about it yeah mm -hmm. and not want gail back he's the sheriff um but he's also like real sweet on her and it's hard for him not to to be that i just don't think the script is servicing his performance yeah um, do you know who is servicing him jennifer Yes. Uh, she, uh, Parker Posey has this incredible bit where when she's really nervous because uh, she thinks she's going to die next because they're being killed in script order, which goes out the window um, at a certain point. But uh, uh, she improvises. We know that this is an improvised moment where she jumps in, up into be cradled by Patrick Warburton. She jumps up into his arms. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is an incredible bit. That's 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 <laughs> improvised? Yeah. She's the best. Parker Posey's really, really good. Yeah, um, she, she really... She knew what movie she was in for sure. Um, she's got that bit where they go and confront. Um, uh, is it is it Lance Henriksen? Yeah, Lance Henriksen. Yeah, yeah, yeah who's yeah. playing John Milton, and they go and confront him, and uh, she's all hyped up on being part of the Scooby Gang, and she's like, "You're obsessed with her, and you're obsessed with her daughter," and they're all like, "Whoa, calm down." You brought up Scooby Doo. You know what? Who the villain of the Josie and the Pussycats movie was? A Parker Posey. Mm. What a legend. Oh, yeah. What a legend. Um, I remember that movie. About, we have to talk about not only the worst wig in the entire Scream franchise, but perhaps the worst wig in all of film oh, history. Bang, bang time. Which is Gale's in this movie. Is those, the worst those hair bangs ever. Oh my god. Uh, oh my goodness. Yeah, that's pretty bad. It's really, just, really, really, puts her really hair can, can we just say they're bad and move on? I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> oh, oh, Ben. <laughs> We offended Ben's, you? Ben's bangs time has been triggered. 
I just don't want to talk about her hair. I, not yes, the bangs. It it's a wig. It's not, not the her bangs. Hair. Well, her. I just. Yeah, I know. I saw a picture of it, and I was watching it the whole time. I'm watching this movie. I was like, God, that is a horrible. That is a horrible. It's just really funny that, a, a, like, a, gr- a large group of people decided, yeah, that's what we're gonna look like. That's what this character is gonna look like. It's just funny. Thank um, God, her hairstyle is better in Scream Four. On a on a note, uh, Marco Beltrami is the composer for all four of the first four screen films and it is bizarre that it's hard for me to capture any of his uh themes when it comes to dewey and gale dewey dewey's is so subdued in this yeah it's it's like there's like an overall like score it definitely this one returns a lot to more like the operatic like oh mag mag it doesn't matter because this was a wig yeah no yeah she, mag's she, bringing up that he forgot what Courtney Cox looked like in Friends. That's why time. she's wearing a wig because she was in Friends. But the point is that it's a wig, so they could have picked a better wig. Yeah, like yeah. It, it just didn't need to look this bad. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> Ben doesn't want to talk about it. Um. Also, we're coming up on three hours too, so it's true. Sure. Well, Ben's getting testy. Oh, oh, I see, I see. Got <laughs> it. My bad, Ben. Uh, we should have a rule that you can leave if if you if you if you're tired to continue. No, I, I want to oh, talk no, about Scream Four. <laughs> uh, all right, well, I'm, I'm scanning through my uh, notes because I know there's some. Other oh, things. I the uh, uh, cameo. Uh, yeah, Carrie Fisher cameo as. Oh yeah, not Carrie uh, Fisher. As not Carrie Fisher. Uh, also making yeah. like slight comments about the industry and how it is. And like this being a movie in Hollywood, like it, it makes sense to have celebrity cameos, but like it still, it still threw me a little bit. I'm like. It doesn't. The scream doesn't feel like a big cameo type movie. You're, yeah, it's the one. It's the one cameo because they call it out as she looks like Carrie Fisher. It's not Carrie Fisher playing someone. It's Carrie Fisher play, essentially playing Carrie Fisher. Yeah. Um. Or not. But like, it's really weird, and I'm just like, and I'm like sitting there going like, Jane, this one, Jane Silent Bob again, like again, like that. They were very so, popular at the time. Real right? quick, Jane Silent Bob are in this because they're being produced by the same film company, but um, they're they're supposed to be in this moment because they're supposed to be doing their visit from Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, which would come out one year later. And the like timelines are weird and don't actually oh, totally that's line up. Yeah. But it's supposed to be like a nod into their own film. That's fine, because their whole thing is going to to Hollywood to stop the movie about them being made. So that that's actually clever. Wow. <laughs> Wes, you crazy bastard. Um, um, all right. Let's see. Uh, so there's a commentary in general kind of about like horror movies being beneath people. Uh, a lot of the actors are kind of talking this way, specifically like Jenny McCarthy has that in her scene. And I just want to point out that like for the time, this was maybe not a totally inaccurate way to feel about it. Uh, not that like horror movies are bad, but this is when we were heading into like the, the big blockbuster, blockbuster horror films. They were all kind of underwhelming in middle of the road. Everything wanted to be Scream but couldn't be Scream. Um, so it wasn't it, like there's a lot of low level just like eh, offerings that come out around this time in terms of horror. Horror was really like not what it is today. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I don't know that they were totally off the mark to make comments like that. Like, like I normally I would be like, you know, horror movies are a solid genre. There's a lot of great stuff there, but like this was really the time when like if you're in a blockbuster horror movie, it's probably not good. Yeah. Uh, like it, they're just odds are no, it probably isn't. Um, they they uh, very maybe aren't worth the time and the money yeah real quickly while you scan through your notes i want to bring up uh grayson's comment um which is uh uh whoa did we find out ben it's bedtime uh, i would like to to say ben we're not even at midnight yet sir um i mean often time's gone much longer 
he can do 40 minutes on uh, Nintendo Direct, but you need him to talk about Courtney Cox's Banes, and that's going to be a little, <laughs> just a little bit too much, my friend. This draws the line, man. Uh, let's see. Um, so something that, I Ben, did you notice? And Brandon, did you notice? I know Ryan did because I pointed it out to him. But um, when Sid comes back from her home to be part of the, the, the events that are happening in the film, she's wearing Derek's letters. Oh. Yes, I did notice that. Yeah, I think that's a it's super necklace. It's a super sweet touch that um uh mm-hmm. like was really important to both Nev and Wes that she carries that on because like it it says a lot about, you know, what was important to her and why she shut herself off like like it, I really like it because it feels in many ways like Derek's loss. It's not necessarily a sacrifice, but the loss of Derek really represents something important to Sydney. Um, and we'll kind of get into later on when we're talking about another film in the franchise, uh, how that kind of ties into what, what she learns in this film. Um, but I thought that was just a really excellent touch. I think that there's a lot done with Sid's appearance in this film. That's really good. If you notice, like she's got her really well-defended home. She's constantly wearing like pants and like shirts and jackets and very like covered up. And when we get to the end of the movie, she's, she's in a like flowing dress, uh, she's more like open and breezy. She's letting her arms show a lot. This is all supposed to be part of like her kind of letting herself out of her own cage kind of thing, mm-hmm. which I really, really like. I think they gave a lot of thought to like what Sydney's arc is supposed to be in response to this movie. And I, I like yeah. that part of it a lot. Even, uh, real quick, even when her dad comes to visit. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was great. also that was also a that was also a good scene in the movie because I also noticed it too. Like when she comes back after the events of it, she's like She's playing with her dogs. It's not like, come on, hurry up. We got to go inside. We're instantly locking the door. We're instantly closing the gate. Like we see her in the very beginning of the film. But you're right. She is like, she's finally free until four. But yeah, 10 years later. Um, yeah. I really like uh, Kincaid and Sydney bonding. We touched on that scene, but I wanted to highlight a specific line uh, where he tells her the way to stop being haunted is to be with people. Um, and that kind of being the lesson Sydney takes, you know, we get to the end of the film and there's Mark with uh dewey and gail there uh to watch the the movie uh i i think that that's that's really valuable again like sydney's arc i think regardless of where this film lands with me the arc of sydney from screen to screen three and what she goes through and how she processes and how she allows that to affect her life i think is a really well thought out arc yeah i think it's very clear how she's growing through these moments in her life um uh <laughs> uh i really like uh the sorry tyson gets taken out um real sad uh he's our he's our black male character who's not given a lot of time in this film uh token black guy for not another teen movie by the way yeah um uh, but i really yeah but i really love when he's uh he's gotten uh chased and and hurt by uh ghostface already he goes around the corner and he looks back and he's like oh you motherfucker <laughs> like yeah just trying yeah. to get away from <laughs> very funny um that that rug pull is gnarly uh um, oh yeah again like cutting down on the bloody violence but but a gnarly a gnarly one no, no, no. definitely broke his neck in that one. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. um um the last one i really want to get into uh i i really do love um sydney 
what she does where she gets so fed up with Roman, like regardless of the execution of Roman, when he's laying out his monologue of shit at her, she's like, will you just shut up? I've heard this all before. I don't care. Yeah. And he, his reaction, he's this so is mad. the part, this is the part I like about Roman's performance. Scott Foley's performance as Roman is where he's going, shut up, shut up and take me serious. That kind of mentality. I love that because that's yeah. what I love about when Sid takes the killers out. She's like, you are so pathetic and beneath me. And like, they're, they're demanding to be worthy of, of the uh, honor of killing Sydney. They're demanding to be recognized for being that impressive. And Sydney's like, I do not give two shits. Just do what you're here to do. My God. Mm-hmm. Um, and when she turns the tables on him, I think that's all really good. And if you know, like that, the, the half brother storyline, I think is, is nicely touched on with the, like actually grabbing his hand as he's supposedly dying, even though he pops back up and has to get shot in the head after that. Um, which is one of the times where I'll say like, I kind of wish it had ended without him doing that pop up again uh, because I like the hand grab moment. Um, I think there's an amount of like, you know, regardless of the fact that like Sid makes very clear, like you're responsible for your own choices. Like Maureen's choices didn't make you into a killer. You chose all of this, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but still acknowledging that like trauma and and pain was happened between both of them. uh, I think was a nice touch, but then we have him pop back up because it's a screen movie. (laughs) Um, so I just wanted to touch on that because I think that's, that's, you know, that's valuable. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, that's scream three. Let's rank. Like we'll rate, we'll rate it. Yeah. So rate it. Ben. Eh, I give it a solid seven. seven. Uh, I would give it a 6.5 or a seven. I'm kind of bouncing around between the two of those. Give it a 7.5. Hmm. Yeah. I'll, I'll go straight up seven. Um, I, I really think that, there's a lot of good story and meat ideas here. It's just not all executed as well as it could have been. Mm -hmm. But the most important thing, which is Sydney's arc, that remains solid. Oh, oh, one last thing. Sorry. Uh, We talked about last time, Scream 1 and 2, there's always like one moment where you're not entirely sure if Ghostface is there. I would make an argument that you can say that there's a moment of that in Scream 3, which is the moment when um, she sees Maureen in the the, uh, covering body get up on the set. Uh, that that could have been her trauma activated and, and the Roman had already left once she tossed him on the bed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I like that there's still a moment where you're like, was Ghostface there? Or is this is this Nev's, Sydney's trauma? Is this the, it's the third one where it is also like uh, all the dudes in masks? No, that was two. That was two. Got we it. talked about that. Got one. it, got it, got it. Yeah. Scriforum. 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 love this one, right? I do. I will unapologetically say that as of right now, this is probably my favorite of the Scream films. I, I love wow. how meta it gets. I love the double fake out in the beginning of the movie. I did not yeah. expect to see Anna Paquin and Kristen Bell or Kristen Bell stab Anna Paquin in the stomach. Yeah. Um, I love all the characters in this movie. I love Hayden Pantier in this movie. Um, a lot of the kids, I was like, yep, that's definitely like how high school was in two or like how high school was portrayed in the 2000s. And you, you were right, Sparks. The twist at the end was unbelievable and like one of the things i love about the screen movies is that the whole time i'm trying to figure out what's the motive what's why are they trying to do this i'm and like this is the fourth run round so i'm like okay it's probably another copycat killer it's probably someone connected to sydney in some very like 20 degree like 10 degrees of kevin bacon sort of way but then the reveal it's her own damn cousin the same girl we've been following the entire movie they bring back the double killers and even then i'm just like yo like that whole 
like that whole thing that whole reveal was like like even i'm like holy shit and even when we get to we have this like 20 15 minutes 20 minutes after the after the after dewey gets there yeah uh, and even and i know like the thing one of the things i do love about screen films especially um like the beginning of two gail and dewey they have they're at odds and they get back together scream they they're at odds and get back together i was like oh great are they gonna be at odds and get back together again no they were married for 10 years i'm like yay something of a happy ending kind of um yeah progress a, um, i love this movie i absolutely had a blast watching it i think awesome. ben got got a little delayed for a second mm, that's still awesome i love it um so i really like this movie i didn't like this movie as much as i did uh the first time i watched it i thought it was okay and then watching this this weekend, I was like, this is actually really cool. Um, I like all the actors and all the new characters. Uh, I think are really fun. I, Emma Roberts is really fun because if you watch her, if you like, if you know she's the killer, you can tell that her her act is breaking as the movie goes on. Her acting gets a lot stiffer uh, toward, by the end of the movie um, when she's pretending to to run away from Ghostface. Um, I was really, I really, really like this movie. I agree. It is a return to form. Uh, uh, not that like Wes Craven lost or anything, but like having like it feels like you know they had that time away and to come back with a new idea. Uh, this is great. This is this is another banger entry. I agree. All the characters are great. the The twenty first century approach of of being meta and filming everything is great. Uh, Gail and Dewey are great. Sydney's great. Everybody's great. Like I love our killers. Uh, you know we're all movie fans, so like it's like remakes and stuff like it's it's crazy that like this is a movie about remakes and now we're on to like two more sequels after it like that's just how long this franchise has been going well, on and like it, it's very much you know when they're saying remakes at this time what they're talking about is like this is the rob zombie halloween yes the friday the 13th the nightmare on elm streets all of these have happened at this point in time so yeah. like that that kind of like we're gonna bring back the 80s again start from scratch here we go again and that's the commentary like that they're living in a more brutal space uh and what it was going to be and whereas like uh our our new generation like the five cream that we're gonna get into and all that like what's happening now that is direct response to specifically uh halloween 2018 legacy 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 exactly which was not a term back then yeah but also just legacy sequels in general like force awakens all that kind of stuff that's what five cream is but yeah one one of the things that i think is really interesting about the time period that this movie came out in is that um it's it falls in the same line of indiana jones and kingdom of the crystal skull and tron legacy it is a legacy sequel before the time of legacy sequels and it is not commenting on legacy sequels because that's not what it's trying to do it's commenting on the remake craze but like it's it's before it's time in a way it's before it's time because it is one of those kind of before we were doing all these legacy sequels there were the there were those three movies that did it way before right i think importantly like the just the crafting of this one is like Yes, you can argue that like with the new teens there, they are meant to be like main characters we would want to follow still. But this is still Sydney and Dewey and Gail's movie. They're not the background stars to the new generation kind yeah. of thing. Mm-hmm. This is their movie still. Um, and uh, as far as like predictive that you're right with the legacy sequel stuff, also like very deeply understanding exactly where like internet fame was gonna go yeah mm-hmm. which it wasn't at at the time like, oh it was, man it was it was beginning but it was not where it is today which is like this is exactly oh my god exactly like, it like predicting things where like violence will be on the web in the kind of way where like 
the infamously like the Logan Paul going into the suicide garden uh forest thing. Yeah. Like that that's a whole uh very similar kind of like vibe of what was being chased there. Be, they're like like being famous for having really bad things happen to you is the new cool thing. Yeah. That's so messed up. Right. That is so wild, man. Uh and, and Ben Roberts as the villain is is sensational. I want to. Um, I just want to reiterate what Ben said, which which was the like the reveal who the killers are is excellent. Yes, mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, frankly, I think it's the best since the first. Yeah, oh, yeah. I oh, yeah. it it completely blew me away of who the killer was because I totally thought it was Trevor. Like sure. lock oh, Like the second Trevor shows up, like the similarities between sit between Trevor and Billy. Even when uh, Sydney opens the door and sees and sees Billy in Jill's room, it was or sees um, Trevor in Trevor. Jill's room. I was just like, doesn't this look familiar? And even she was like, hmm, you remind me. So of it me. does, but it's it's from the other perspective. I'm gonna tell you, Ben. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you, Ben. I watched Scream too many times in my life because the very first time I saw Scream Four, the moment they get to the house scene at the end, I knew for a fact Trevor wasn't the killer because they did a weird thing. But I'd seen Scream too many times to not get it. Trevor is dressed in the exact same clothes as Sydney's dad in Scream One when they pull him out of the closet. The exact same clothes. It's there, and I yeah. was like, "Oh, he's not gonna be the killer at all." He's wearing his dad's like blue jacket, basically. I wasn't like, really yeah. suspecting him anymore. I was pretty sure he was the red herring at that point, but I was one hundred percent confident. The moment I saw his outfit, I'm like, "No, not him." Yeah, and there's a good parallel there because uh, Billy and Stu want to frame the dad in the right. first movie, and Emma Roberts and and and. Oh, Jack, is it? No, I'll, I'll look it up. Home Alone's brother. Um, um, God, I forgot well, his I name. Thought, I thought that was Kieran him. Culkin. Kieran Culkin. Yeah. Um, but like the 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 reveal of Emma Roberts and Kieran Culkin um, to frame, they're going to frame Trevor. Uh, that's a good. That's a good connection. A good parallel. Screen four. I'm not. I'm sorry. Rory. It's Rory Culkin. Yeah. There's too many. Too Char- many and he's Charlie. He's Rory Culkin. There's another Culkin. There's like there are, five. Yeah, it's like the Hemsworth. They keep coming. Yeah, up. he's Rory Culkin. He's not the one in Scott Pilgrim. That's Kieran. Yeah. Who's the one in oh. Succession? That's Rory. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, so um, yes, uh, it was at that point that I was like, Trevor's the person they're going to set up. Uh, I that that was very clear to me the moment that he was there because again, I've seen Scream just too many damn times. I was like, I know that outfit. Yeah, I know that outfit. Um, why are you doing that? That's so weird. Um, uh, let's let's uh, do the beginning very very quickly. The uh, two false openings of the stab movies. Love it. Um, very very funny. We get Lucy Hale and uh, Shanae Grimes and Anna Paquin and Kristen Bell. Uh, very funny. Very very entertaining i really but but the part that really makes me happy about it is uh brit robertson's character uh being like this just doesn't make any sense like if the beginning of stab seven is is uh, stab six is actually inside of stab seven then what happens in stab six <laughs> it's just so i think it's so good going up its own butt um i i really enjoy it because they, they uh, also like, mentioned that stab five had time travel yeah. yes the only part I don't like about that is I don't like the fake phone call fake out afterwards with them. That's in the real world. Uh, uh, when she goes upstairs and then she calls her the with the ghost out, face yeah. app. I was like, 
That's a third fake out, guys. Like one too many here. I gotta like <laughs> one too many. The, the 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 cameo ones were fun, but you gotta like you gotta settle me into the actual movie now. I can't do another fake out about who's Ghostface. Um, yeah, yeah. That that was the only part that for me uh, in the opening didn't really work. That that Christian Bell Anna Paquin sequence is pretty good though. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, it is for sure. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, this movie is definitely more brutal and more bloody we see i like times. i like the kills in this one there's a kill where, where the president from battlestar galactica kate in this movie uh she gets stabbed in the neck th- in the neck through a letter opener yes yeah uh, that's oh, a really yeah. good kill yeah, yeah. That, ooh, that was brutal i was yeah. not expecting that but the second i hear you hear the shink i'm like oh no why did i think about the letter opener or the the letter slot and even that was just like messed up how anthony anderson died yeah. You just so, lobotomized. I, I do want to get to them, but real quick, I want to go to because she's barely in the movie, uh, and uh, who Brandon's referring to, which is um, uh, Jill's mom. Um, You're right. Uh, is Sydney's uh, aunt. aunt. Uh, yeah. Um, she was supposed to be a bigger role. And not mm-hmm. only that, she was supposed to be played by Lauren Graham. Oh. Um, and Lauren Graham left the project because the role was reduced in size. Oh, that's, uh, well, that's fair, I guess. Lauren Graham from Gilmore Girls uh, fame. Yeah. Interesting. That would have been really good. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bummer. Huh. Um, yeah. I just wanted to touch on that because I know that bit of trivia and I was like, oh, that's. There's, uh, there, there's a, there's a, um, Ben already kind of mentioned the cops, the, um, yes. Adam Anthony, Brody. And, yeah. What were you going to say? Uh, Anthony Anderson and Adam Brody, who yeah. are playing, uh, their, their names are so good. So, do you know Adam Brody's character's full name? His name is Ross Haas. <laughs> I knew his name was Haas. Ross his Haas. First is... name is Ross. Wow, his parents hated him. And then uh, Anthony Anderson is Anthony Perkins. I saw that. I I got that one. I was like, his name is Anthony Perkins. <laughs> so funny. Yeah, the, yeah. The way Anthony Anderson, like Adam Brody, goes out like, oh man, but like, no, he, uh, you're right. He gets lobotomized, and then he's still walking for a minute. Yeah. Just like, what the, what the, what, the, what am I doing? That's F Bruce Willis. Awful. It's awful. it's really good. Like they really wanted to come back and do the the deaths like creatively and intensely again, like kind of as a reaction to Scream Three's not being very memorable. I think all the deaths in here are pretty like, whoa, yeah. Um, especially uh, the the murder of their friend um across the the way in the window uh that's that's such a intense and brutal scene i didn't it's say a, your closet it's yeah that's a, honestly like you see that oh. coming like i'm in the closet i didn't say your closet that's a oh. you kind of see that coming but it's executed really well yeah. yeah olivia's olivia's death i was i i was just it got me i completely ignored about olivia's closet and that when that happens i'm like oh shit and yeah olivia dies and it's just like it's gut wrenching because she was even like, "Yeah, no, I'm getting out of here," which unfortunately was her own demise because the killer was in her closet. Yeah, and and she's not in the movie for very long, but like, I really like the the energy, the chemistry, basically between that trio, her and Hayden Pantier and and Emma Roberts. When they first get in the car at the beginning of the movie, I'm like, I could follow this trio. Yeah, these 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 are these are fun friends. I like this. Um, so losing her still felt like a blow. Yeah. Like already, we've got a character that I'm endeared to much faster than some of the new characters in Scream Three. Um, oh yeah, definitely. Um, uh, Kirby, Kirby is wonderful. Kir- Kirby's great. Oh, yeah. um, but d- does Dirk Kirby die, or do they? Because I, so I wasn't then, watching this with subtitles on. I'll I'll say this: you don't see a dead body of Kirby, and there's a reason for that. 
Hayden Pantier actually had it in her contract. She could not die on screen in this movie. No way. She had a lot more pool back then. This was, you know, like right heroes. hot on the heels of heroes. Yeah. Uh, so when she made her contract for the movie, she could not be killed. She could not die on screen. Love it. Um, so now's a good time, I think, to talk about this real quick. So I, t- I mentioned that Aaron Kruger comes in and, and the entire hospital ending, that's Aaron Kruger, not Kevin Williamson. Um, I like that. And ending. the reason that happened is because they made changes and Williamson wasn't able to be there. And the reason the changes happened is because when this movie was being created, it was being envisioned as a trilogy. Mm-hmm. This was going to be the start of a new trilogy. Yep. And the movie was supposed to end uh, with the scene where she's being wheeled out on the stretcher and the flashing lights. But you were going to hear someone saying, we got a pulse. She's still alive. And the audience was supposed to wonder, is it Kirby or is it Sid? Mm. Which one of the two could be coming back in the next one? And that's how they wanted it to be spicy. Um, They ultimately decided to do the hospital scene because the studio wasn't having a lot of faith that they were going to move forward with two more films, which ultimately they didn't, it didn't make the money that they thought it would. Shame. Um, so honestly, the right move because it would have been a bummer to have that that cliffhanger ending and then yeah, nothing. and then like potentially Scream Five would just be like a reboot, like because that's like that's a weird way to end your right and your franchise. Um, so it ultimately ends up for the better that they added in the whole hospital scene, and I like that scene a lot. Yeah, I like so. it a lot. Oh, oh, me too. The I really enjoy that whole hospital scene. We'll, really we'll get like into it. it. I do want to save that for the end because yeah. I, I I want to build up to that. Talk about some of the other characters and stuff first. Um, but I did want to make that note that that's that's one of the reasons why everything kind of plays out the way that it does. Um, yeah. Uh, again, I really like the arc for Sid. Yeah, I like this idea of her going on this book tour and wanting to end it at Woodsboro as like this like closing a chapter in her life kind of thing. Gail's hella jealous. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but um, Sydney as this person who is more willing to like when shit's going wrong, throw herself into the fire. Like we mentioned Olivia earlier. The mo- once she sees Olivia is being attacked, she runs over to the other house. The other two girls are staying there just screaming. Yeah, but she's running over to the other house, kicking her way in, going to confront Ghostface. Uh, and I love that. I love that that's who Sid is now. Um, she takes no shit from anybody, uh, which I think is great. It's a great progression on the character. Absolutely. Alison Brie is in this movie. Yeah, it's the shittiest publicist ever. Uh, publicist yeah. ever. Uh, I thought I, I recognized lo- her. I love her in everything. Yeah. I love yeah. her in this. Uh, yeah. She she is so wonderful. Um, uh, Dumb. And her her what? But she dumb. She dumb. <laughs> the way she goes out of that car and runs to the door. I'm like, if you're gonna get out of the car, run. Why are you walking? Why are you looking around? Uh I, I think her her death is really fun too. Um Yeah, it's, I, I'm just I was happy that she was in it. Uh I forgot that she was in it when so when she showed up, I was like, oh hello, Annie. Yeah, she's a fun inclusion. I I do like her in it a lot. I think she adds she adds something nice to the film. Um mm-hmm. it's 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 one of the few times in Scream where you have someone who you who you would kind of label as a shitty person that you know is shitty and is going to get killed. Mm-hmm. Um, oh my god! It doesn't happen a lot in the Scream films. I love Deputy Judy Hops so much. <laughs> Deputy uh, Judy Hicks. Yeah, uh, she's just like a. She's like a. She's just like um. She wants to be like like the next Dewey. She because she loves Dewey so much. She makes some cookies and lemon drops and. Gail has had none of it. Uh, she's just a fun, really weird, really weird lady. She stands in shadows sometimes for no reason. Oh, uh, that was really, really funny. Like Judy, what you are know, you doing? 
with her standing in the shadow the first time, part of me thought she was the killer, but then I thought, nah, they do this a lot where they I think, think you think it's one person, but it's really not. I think that scene is meant to make you think that and also then be dissuaded of it because when she moves out of the darkness, it's very much like I went to school. I, I was just I I just really nice. It's really nice to see you again. Like, I think you're supposed to kind of suspect <laughs> like that's weird and then go, oh, she's just a nice person. Yeah, <laughs> um, she's a little off. Yeah, a little weird. I like it. Was a um, huge crush on the sheriff. There's this uh, there's this bit with her uh, after Sydney's aunt is stabbed where I thought what the movie was going to do for a moment there is have Judy kind of run with this idea that Sydney was the killer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because of the way mm. she talks about, like, finding the stab victim and then Sydney fleeing the scene yes. on the call. It felt I, like that. I definitely, the first time I saw it, thought, oh, are we going to get, like, a narrative where they're, she's trying to say that Sydney's the killer? Yes. Um, which I'm glad we didn't, yeah. honestly, because it's not, it's not, that's never been a worthwhile story to me to try and tell, even even if, like, it's not real and, and just characters suspecting it. I'm like, I don't want people suspecting Sydney's a killer. It's, it's just a bad route. And, and, and at this point in the franchise, like, come on, no, no way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, um, I about because we were talking about shadows, I do want to talk about, like, it's my major gripe with the film. It is my absolute major gripe. Um, this film's very dark. And I do mean, like, visually, it is, it is dark and not lit the best it's a lot, lot of, of natural instances. natural lighting and it's very very different from how it uh the lighting is in the first three films it feels different stylistically from the first three films i do think to some extent this was trying to emulate horror movies at the time but this is one of those instances where that kind of bothers me because i'd rather it just felt consistent to the world of scream i will also say just in advance ben this is not a problem i have with five cream i don't think that this lighting problem exists there so it's only this film yeah and it only irks me because sure if it's commenting on horror films at the time i get it but like if i'm just watching the scream films it's like oh why does this one look kind of bad in comparison like visually um it is also notably a different cinematographer and, and people than the original three um so that can be part of it too but i just there are several sequences where I just don't like the look of the movie, uh, which bums me out. Um, I wish it looked as good as the first three. Yeah, it, it just kind of looks just like it's just like it's just we shot it on digital and didn't really do anything with it. Like the lighting, it's like very again, like very natural. Like if they're outside, it's just outdoor lighting. Like it's very. And there's a lot. There's a lot of nighttime outdoor stuff. Yeah. And it all isn't lit very well. And I was like, ah, that's kind of kind of hard on a rewatch to be honest like i don't think visually the film holds up as well as it should yeah uh, that's that's my my major knock on the movie so i wanted to get that out of the way i think it's really funny that they still made stab three even though the director killed half the cast <laughs> that is absolutely that is on an unhinged world wild <laughs> well when you see the way that these people react to these movies like we have to make another one they're, they're throwing shit the in the first, theaters like like one of the first studio screenings of stab is like people <laughs> dressed in the costumes like not even watching the movie flipping out like stabbing like, their friends this is this is like this is like quentin tarantino's universe of how people are affected by violence in films like turned up to 12 yeah yeah like it's, it's a lot it's just really funny when they mentioned like the original trilogy, you know, Sydney and and blah blah blah. And I was like, oh, they finished Stab Three, so the director yeah. had to come in. They had to recast some of the roles because, again, the director killed half the cast. I can't even, man. That's like a fake documentary. I would love to watch. Uh, I also like that this film is very good. I'm moving to another area, but um, I like that this film is 
it has a more believable high school cast like the age appropriateness is a much smaller gap than it was in the original screen and it's poking holes at the archetypes um like more than once the the like busty attractive young ladies are are acknowledged to be like have 4.0 gpas and be very intelligent and all these kinds of things like yeah, yeah. uh I think that's really nice. Um, Kirby is a film nerd. She might not be a film nerd who's like as vocal and like, I'm going to be part, I'm going to like talk about the club all the time, but she is in the club. Yeah. She does like movies a lot. She has that huge monologue of all the horror remakes, uh, which is incredible. So um, I, I like that. They're just like, really are breaking the mold on like the archetypes that even the first movie was playing to. Oh, Stabathon. Real quickly. I want, I want to, I want to get Ben's ire and talk about hair. Um, the uh, uh, Kirby's hair, incredible, beautiful. Oh my gosh, love it! I I, 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 said it to, I said it to them like when we were watching, like whether that was her own hair choice or like the movie's choice to give Kirby this haircut, incredible. She pulls yeah, it, it off really flawlessly. Good. Looks so good. Kirby is such a such a cool, fun character. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I love, I love, I agree with you, Brandon. One hundred percent. She looks great. She yeah. looks great throughout the whole movie uh 100%. Charlie, that's that's the 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 other killer thing Charlie, right? Yes. I yeah, yeah I I remembered who the killers <coughs> were cuz again like I watched this movie relatively recently. I watched it before I saw Five Cream uh uh to catch up uh for the first time. But like I remember the killers but I'm like, "Oh yeah, they do a really good job of like of of not showing you who the killer is in this one." I think it does a really good job. Especially with Charlie. I did not I did not remember Charlie at all. Uh uh and watching the movie I'm like, "Man, they're doing a good job of hiding him." I, I will I will say I don't think it's a problem. Yeah. It's just noticeable. When you watch the movie again after knowing that Jill's the killer, you really start to notice, damn, Jill's not around a lot. <laughs> no, they're taking notes. I specifically remember uh uh she's like, Oh, I gotta go get my phone, it's upstairs, and then she's gone 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, y'all no one's no one's why is paying... no one paying attention to where Jill is? She's like, Yeah, I found my phone. What's going on after someone got killed? Like, but the uh, the Charlie reveal is really interesting because the film wants you to be like, oh, actually, there's a romance between between him and Kirby, and then she put him, they they put him in the same situation that Drew Barrymore's boyfriend was in in the first film right. that that Kirby has to answer all these questions, and then she wins, only to have the reveal be that Charlie's one of the killers. It's right. honestly brilliant. And, I love and, that. That's one of the reasons why I love this movie. And he says, it took you this long to notice me. Like, mm-hmm. he's mad at her. Oh, he's super incel And it's that is the most incel shit ever. Like, oh, you like me now, but not when I wanted you to like me. That is some super incel shit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's like, the second the second he says that, I'm like, okay, you suck. You suck, and I'm glad I am glad I know what I know what's going to come to you, and I'm glad it's happening. Because at first, I'm like, no, don't kill him. Because then, you know, Trevor comes back, ruins the moment, and I'm like, ah, Trevor, you suck. Like the whole movie, Trevor, you suck. End of the movie, I was wrong. Trevor doesn't suck. Trevor is just, I mean, he's a bad guy. He's a a bad person. Yeah, I mean, he he sucks as a person, but he's he's not like, you know, murdering people. Yeah. yeah. Who Uh, invited you, Trevor? (laughs) Yeah, that's Kieran. Uh, Kieran, uh, Kieran Culkin, uh, Rory Culkin, Charlie. Um, he uh, uh, when he gets stabbed because he because he's just like um, you know we're we're gonna be Billy and Stew, and then he gets stabbed, and Sydney's like, no, you're Stew. Yeah, he, no, like, he's it, Billy. Like, right? Yeah. She she said she's like you said it yourself, Billy and Stew, you and Trevor. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah, I'm, I thought that was really good. I'm dying, man. Um. Uh-huh. It's interesting to see a screen movie now finally working in texting because, like, it's up to that point. So texting becomes part of the thing too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought that was really good. Yeah. Um, oh, I, using the 
a voice as an app on your phone. Yes, which is really smart, but it's all Roger L. Jackson. Also, this is the one where it's the most noticeable to me, but I want to give full credit because we haven't talked about it a lot in all of the films, but this is the best point to do it. Roger L. Jackson does an incredible job. He knows who the killers are. He knows who he's emulating when he's calling. Oh, so he's using like voice. So he changes his delivery to match who it's supposed to be. So Ghostface is never just a generic always sounds the same certain words are in like uh uh emphasized and spaced out in a way to try to match the performance of the person who is the killer yeah so when roger l jackson is doing that he's trying to differentiate charlie from jill so that if you're listening you might be able to tell which one is on the phone so do you saying that triggered in my brain something I'm going to jump way ahead real quickly. I'm not going to spoil anything for five cream, but just to kind of reiterate what you're talking about and say that I agree. One, one line has never left my head and it's, it's an honor. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And I just, I think about that all the time. That delivery. Yeah. Do you know, what's really funny to me is uh, just because you brought that up, like watching this movie uh, and the Charlie says that too. But he says mm. it when he's not Ghostface. He says it in the film club room. He, we know oh, he's one of the true. killers, but he says when he meets Sid, it's an honor. That's true. Uh, which is totally normal. And like he ends up being one of the killers and then having a killer actually as Ghostface say it to Sid. Uh, not to Sid, to Dewey, uh, I think, into the in the next one. We'll get there. Uh, yeah. Don't worry about it. Bye. That's why I don't want to go too far into spoilers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely, though. Ro- like Roger L. Jackson is very good because if you really like we've got just gone through all four of these movies pretty quickly if you really think about his performance he does not sound like he's just delivering the lines he thinks about who he's supposed to be yeah and transfer that through his voice mm-hmm. um he's an incredibly talented voice actor also the voice of mojo jojo for anyone who's wondering mm-hmm. uh, a lot of other notable roles no. but he is the voice of mojo jojo no, 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 no. Uh, yeah really yes absolutely um you got the 110 percent uh I, I really, really love what he does with Ghostface. And specifically in this one, there are ones where I'm like, I know for a fact he listened to Emma Roberts' talk and recreated it on the phone. And it sounds great. You know what? Without, before you telling me this, because I'm not going to say I noticed it in every movie, but I, I definitely noticed it in Scream 4. Yeah. Uh, I assumed that it was just Emma Roberts recording the line. In like, like I'm going to kill you, bitch. And then, and then he would just go, oh, that's how you did it. No, I'm going to do it. But like, he just he he could just do that. Like right. I'm sure. Like I'm. Just, I doubt they record all the lines. Like the actors doing it. So like him just being like uh like okay that's that's how your mannerisms are. I'm gonna put that in this ghost face voice. That's incredible. That's, yeah. That's talent. Yeah. Love it's it. really funny going through his 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 IMDb because I want to see what else he's done. But he's I was like oh he's in Call of Duty. Oh as ghost faced. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He just he really he really captures I think the identity specifically in this movie. I do feel like. If you're listening, you're going to know which one's Charlie and which one's Jill on the phone. Mm-hmm. I think he's really got it down. I definitely, because I knew who the killer was, Like I definitely could tell when Jill was the one on the phone. I'm like, oh yeah, this is, that's pretty sweet. And it's one of the reasons why, again, like Scream 3 is a little bit of sacrilege to me. Not that Roger L. Jackson's voice is omitted from the film, but it's certainly cut down as a role. Because there's like 12 Because like, this is about hearing his voice as Ghostface. Like, the one thing that is con- constant and should be always consistent, it's not Sydney, it's not Gale, it's not Dewey, it's that the killer uses this voice. It's and true. the voice is Roger L. Jackson. Um, I will make a note that I kind of wish Scream 4 did more with the setting of Woodsboro. This mm-hmm. will carry over to Five Cream a little bit too, but for some reason to me, this felt like the one rather than 
I don't feel like you can do what I'm about to say in Five Cream because the events of Scream 4 happened in Woodsboro. But it does feel like in this one, there was an opportunity to embrace the Woodsboro murders as part of the identity of the town. Yeah, and like yeah. have that be something that like our characters are grappling with where like some of them are like, this is not great to come back to this town and have the, like, like they are taking down the ghost face decorations. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. And I'm like, what if those were done on purpose? What if that was the town? Like that's their way of celebrating Sydney coming is decorating for the thing. That's because like, it's also the stab movies and that's a cultural phenomenon. And yeah. it's famous, but like, it's also her life. And so like, the popularity of Woodsboro as a small town comes from being famous for these murders. From, yeah. And if the town had started to, as we know, they always do uh, look at sleepy hollows, Salem, witch trials, all these kinds of things. They get that small bit of fame when they're those small towns and it becomes a part of the identity of the town. Yeah. And I kind of wish this movie had gone for a little bit of that being there. Yeah. I can deal with that. Yeah. Now, yeah. because these events happened, now there's been two sets of ho horrible murders in Woodsboro. I don't think you can do it anymore. But <laughs> at this point, I was like, I feel like you could get away with that. I feel like that could have been a part of this movie. To put a pen, or to put a quick little thing on that, because when I saw when City was coming by, I saw the scream decorations or the ghost face decorations. For a split second, I was like, this isn't taking place during Halloween, is it? And this is like, like you said, Salem and a few other towns that are famous for horrible events happening. And then you see the cops putting the thing down. I was like, okay, yeah, this is a high school prank. These, And then Dewey says lines like one generation's trauma is another generation's joke. And oh, I'm like, okay, because, yeah. you know, time has gone by, but right. these the stab films are still very popular. These kids know where they live, and they're like, oh, let's put up ghost faces everywhere. I mean... Well, the ghost faces I, were put up by... by kids. It was, it was a prank. No, I thought the ghost faces were up there because it was Sydney's coming home and it was on the anniversary of the, of the killer. Oh, it, it was. It was. You're right. You're right. You're so 100% not, right. Not, it wasn't a prank. It was the, the city was like, let's put up ghost face. This would be great. I just want them to lean into it more. Like, I wish the mayor had been there. Like, Sydney, isn't this great to like, like bring in the mayor and make it this whole thing? And Sydney's like, this is actually super horrifying. Oh, I lost like, you, well, like my friends and family. And, well, and have it be like this really misguided idea of like, you know, classic bear from jaws kind of stuff of like well, this is the thing we celebrate uh have it be henry winkler but in a different week oh yeah um yeah. like it would have been, it would have been great. Ooh, there is a statue of henry winkler in this movie and you blink and you miss it, it it's a side profile shot that goes off screen but it's henry winkler is, is in yeah at the school it's fun yeah the marriage um, should have been carrie always he, uh, yeah, he, I just feel like there's there there's something that could have been chewed on about like the like all the things that they want to comment on with the pop culture and how it affects things, how it affects a town, yeah, and how it's affecting the teens who live in that town could have been part of that, and and, and I kind of wish the movie had had the room to go for that or breathe on that. I wonder if Scream Six will do some of that. It being in New York, mm, maybe embracing it. Um, let's see. Well, there's a musical called Stab that we see in the that we see in the trailer so oh, i assume okay. they're embracing it yeah uh also there is no red right hand song in this movie yep um egregious how dare they what an oversight so mad no really um that's <laughs> it's in every it's in every movie uh it's it's in all of them except for this one uh super weird that, that that it's not there i do like dewey's new like kind of reintegrated rejuvenated picturesque sheriff life theme bow, 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 bow. i like i like the inclusion of him as the sheriff i thought that was really smart of them to do he it does feel like he's truly grown up now yeah he is mm. in a 
He's like he's he you've seen Dewey grow up into who he is now, and he's like he's he takes full responsibility in being the sheriff and trying to do right. It does also result in him kind of like constantly getting to situations a little late, but that's okay. Yeah. Also, I also him fighting with with uh, Gail for a bit. It's like, dude, you know that she's right about a lot of things, and then he finally comes around, and I mean. It sucks that it takes her getting stabbed in the shoulder for him to like come around and be like, "Yep, you were right. You were you were smart. Should have listened to you the whole I like, time." I like the I like the Dewey reveal of the in the hospital where it's like, "How did she know I got stabbed in the shoulder?" Oh shit! Mm-hmm. So yes. uh, also an interesting thing in Williamson's original script, the the way they learned that wasn't going to be um, that uh, uh, a reveal that. How'd she know I was stabbed in the shoulder? It was actually going to be Dewey. It was going to make him a little bit smarter, honestly. It was going to be that Dewey figured out she was stabbed so cleanly in the shoulder so that she could write the book and make Jill famous. Mm. Um, and that was going to be the connection uh, that he makes. Like, there there was going to be a more elaborate of uh, Dewey putting it together. It was like, it's supposed to be like Dewey's triumphant, like, I figured it out moment that he kind of does on his own mm-hmm. rather than uh, being queued up by Gail. And then that was truncated down. I. Yeah. I, I like the Tia though. I like like them work together. Like it would have been cool to have like do we have like an aha moment, but like I like them together figuring it out. Yeah, it, it, I'm not necessarily saying I have a problem with this version, but I do. Yeah. I do understand like the desire to have a Dewey has a like light bulb genius moment of realizing like this was a specific stab for a specific reason because it's very noticeable when you see the scene where she gets stabbed like it just like the the Dewey's got the gun on them and like they're still like I gotta get this done stab in the shoulder leave yeah, um like yeah. and like why the shoulder we've seen people stabbed in so many places like it's so specific um, um can we talk about the hospital yeah one last thing Trevor gets shot in the dick and it is graphic yeah it is. <laughs> Um, so the hospital has a really good moment when they kill, uh, when they kill Jill, well, kill Jill, um, the the clear. Yeah. Is so good. It's when, 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 when it's the the last words. Yeah. Clear, clear, clear. This is zaps her. Excellent. And a game, same, same deal of Jill being like thinking she's so suave and on top and got it and not just being a shitty teen oh, out of her depth. Sydney, Sydney's alive. What? Oh, I really need to go see her. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> murderer. Um, the five minutes of Jill beating the shit out of herself is amazing. Oh my mm-hmm. God. Uh, it gets worse and worse. Mostly and because worse. like it does such a good job of going from uncomfortable to funny to uncomfortable again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, really, really good. She, like, she stabs herself. She runs into a mirror. She throws herself on a table. She uh, uses Trevor's hand to give her scratches and to and pull, pull out some her hair. Oh, out. oh, that's so much hair. Yeah. Yeah. That way yeah. His, her skin is oh. underneath his fingernails to pin the I murder just, on her, on him. I just realized what this note says. Uh, now that we've mentioned that, because I've been trying to figure it out for like five minutes. Uh, when, when Emma Roberts, after she does that, uh, you know, she, she like hobbles over to Sid and like poses herself next yes. to Sid. Brilliant mirror a mirror of sydney yeah, yeah. again uncomfortable to funny to uncomfortable to funny like it's it, it this movie works so so much especially because jill rock jill is her reveal is so good emma yeah. roberts commitment to the character of jill is so good that last scene is uh those last two scenes are 
incredible. She just owns the moment. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. Anything else? Uh, I, I truly am, am thrilled with how well this movie did turn out. Um, I think Emma Roberts inclusion was genius and having her be the killer was a great, a great reveal, just absolutely brilliant, especially as this person motivated, like living in Sydney's shadow and wanting her own taste of fame and all this kind of stuff. Sorry. I can lean in. <laughs> you keep this moving way over. No, sure. Sure. It's, it's just like, no, I get you. Uh, uh, I, it's so impressive that it was able to come off this well, um, frankly, uh, especially at a time, again, a, a time period where like when remakes were being done, they were usually poorly received. Not that all horror movies were, but certainly the remakes were. Um, so stepping in and making this commentary, a lot of people didn't think, had were nervous that Scream 4 just wasn't going to have it. And I'm really pleased that I think it works really well. I didn't even, I didn't see it when it came out because uh, after Scream 3, like I dislike Scream 3, a lot. I hated that movie when I first saw it, but I was also considerably younger and a different person. Uh, so I just skipped Scream Four until I saw it with with Sparks a couple years ago. Um, uh, and like this whole franchise, like again, even the worst movie is not is not terrible. Uh, uh, Wes Craven's just got it, and like being being gone for ten years, coming back, like it's like he never left. Uh, just adopting, you know, another a new a new uh, a new way to murder people. What's what's the motive this time? Uh, and then again, got five i am let's, glad let's, that they did not feel compelled to say that randy recorded another tape oh i would have <laughs> that would have been okay oh, years later he survived the events of the trilogy if i didn't make it through the third one here's what happens <laughs> let me feel about legacy sequels yeah, uh, he tries to predict technology at that point and he's way way off oh my god that actually be funny in the future <laughs> that'd be good Okay, so I rate it. Yeah, yeah. Ben, yeah. ooh, nine, easy. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Nine, yeah. I'll yeah. go. I'll go eight point five. Yeah, yeah. I'll go solid eight. I like this movie quite a bit. Oh yeah, I, I loved it. Looking like, I still think one is my favorite, but one, two, and four, like they're all. They're all they're all in great. They're uh, all great. You know, we did jump to the rating, and we didn't. We really didn't talk at all about um, Charlie's friend, who's recording live streaming. Oh, who, all that who pronounces him being gay um, to save his life at the yeah, end? Yeah, it just. I mean, yeah. if, if it, it helps, helps. If, if it okay. The I'm gay part, I was like, I don't know, but if it helps, I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, very well, so, good. So he is. He is gay. Yeah. Because when he's getting sad, he says, this is against the rules. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, well, the only thing about him I did want to note uh, really specifically is that I thought something was going to be done with his live streaming. Oh, yeah. Because it's always on his head and we find out that when he is recording, it's going live. Yes. Uh, and just that never really turned into anything. And I was kind of surprised that that's I, kind of like a, a device that's there that's never really utilized. And it's... Like when you look at streaming today, like streaming in what is when it's come out 2011, yeah, streaming was not what it was, not even not even close. So I wonder if them they had the idea of oh we're streaming it live, but they didn't really know do any more research into it because especially back then like there was no like Twitch or like live streaming on YouTube. Yeah, but like you know we've seen plenty of movies like makeup technology bullshit. I just no, thought yeah, there yeah. was going to be something there where like they found out someone was about to get killed or someone was getting killed or maybe oh do the thing from like yeah yeah just all something was going to be done with it. But like the only thing that ever really happens is that for a period of time you're like oh my god his camera's facing the wrong direction. That is the only you're right yeah they don't really do anything with that that's true. 
it just surprised me considering it's on his head the whole movie. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, there you that. go. That's four down. That's Scream 3 and 4. So we've done one, two, three, and 4. Next will be 5 Cream. That will not be an episode. That'll be a special, so stay tuned. But if you guys are... Uh, you can find all of them together. You'll be able to find them very easily. Um, but uh, it will, 5 Cream will not be next week as an episode because that will be Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Quantumania! Yeah, but it's all happening. I'm really excited for Ben to be fully caught up and get to the five cream. Ben, uh, honestly, if you like for, uh, uh, excuse me, scraform that this much, I think you are going to adore five cream. I have a feeling that after the scream four or um, scraform, scream five, or as we've been calling it, five cream, it, that's what it's called. It may be my new favorite scream movie. I don't know. I didn't I'm think I was going to. What you like about this movie. Like, I think you will doubly like the next movie. Well, I can't it. wait. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. One last thing. Sydney has one of the best lines in the entire Scream franchise in this movie. And it's like, you forgot the first rule about reboots. Oh, yeah. Don't F with the original. <clears throat> Incredibly good line. It's true. Sorry. <laughs> We're done. That's okay. Uh, that's, that's that, though. So why don't we go into our book club? <laughs> 